Welcome to this week's episode of Time Man on the Pod. How are you, Tom? You all right? Yeah, I'm all right. I'm all right. Another week. We've got a fair bit to talk about. Obviously, the last day of January, which means it's the end, or tomorrow is obviously the end of the, the dreaded winter transfer uh, transfer window. We've obviously kicked off what is a could turn out to be a really pivotal week in our season. Obviously, we've got two more huge games to follow in the next seven days. So, obviously, we're going to take a look back at Barnsley. Um, we'll take a look at what we think is going to happen in the last few hours of the transfer window. Um, and then, yeah, we'll look ahead to, to Coventry and Wickham. So, quite a bit to get through. Should we kick off with our Barnsley review? So, look, I think it's fair to say we ended the pod last week saying that we were looking for a reaction coming into to this week, and especially against Barnsley. Um, we wanted a response. It's never easy against Barnsley. Obviously, they are our bogey side with Barnsley having won the last three meetings, obviously, albeit the last three times we played them, have been at Oakwell. Um, it was always going to be a tricky, tricky game, this. You kind of know what you're going to get with with Barnsley. Um, and it was a, it, it proved to be a, a, a tricky afternoon. No surprise, obviously, Hewton rang the changes, uh, seven changes to be precise, Tom. David, there was too many surprises no, no, really. starting eleven. Um, yeah, like we said before, Hewton's kind of, you know, he's he's kind of got a good idea of, of what his team is now and the team that he thinks is is going to get get us out of trouble. Um, obviously, you know, one change that that did occur there was the uh, inclusion and in, uh, in the starting place of the new signing Kravinovic. Yeah, it's fair to say. Um... It wasn't a classic, this one, was it, from the off? The conditions didn't help, but, I mean, Barnsley set out with a game plan to, to close Forest down, make sure there wasn't any gaps for them to try and obviously settle them and play. Um, and it just made for a really uh, disjointed but frantic game. It was no one really got a, a, a foothold in the game and took control of it. Um, it was it was a real, it was a real uh, tussle, if you like, right from the off. Should Barnes have had a penalty no, early doors, Tom? I don't Tom? think so. But um, other people think otherwise. But I, I thought it was um, a weak shot at, at best. I, I personally, maybe other people might listen to this and be like, what's wrong with you? Like, it's not rugby. Um, you know, it, it was a bit of a pullback, weren't it? Um, is, is what they're appealing for. When I looked at it, I didn't see much there, but... But um, you know, maybe uh, I need to go to to Specsavers or uh, all the opticians. But yeah, no, I, I didn't think it was a penalty. Um, what's your thoughts? I think he's got a case for it. I think he's got a case. I think he, he makes a meal of it, and that probably doesn't do him any favours in terms of the theatrics. If he goes down, you've seen him given. You used to say, I think he's made a meal of it, which is then probably in the referee's head. He's kind of made the judgment that he's gone looking for it, but you've definitely seen him give him. There was definite contact. Um, it was a little bit of a foolish, foolish, foolish pullback inside the box. You know, if that happens anywhere else on the pitch, um, it's arguably you know you can see those given as a free kick. It's obviously double jeopardy trying to give those decisions in the box. If the referee's not certain, he's not going to give it. But yeah, a bit of a, a bit of a heart in mouth moment that one though, and. Um, would have been an absolute disastrous start to the game. So we'll put it into the, the got away with one, but obviously yeah, you're not convinced. But um, yeah, I, I was 
nervous there for a I split think, second. I think, I think you know, but, Barnsley, Barnsley had um, moments like that where, and I, it's not just Barnsley to be fair. I think it's quite a, a constant theme throughout the games where, whenever Forest allow a team to go forward, it feels almost you feel like you know they're going to be they're going to score or they're going to be close to scoring. Um, Forest seems to find it difficult to to nullify teams before they get to to that last uh, passage of play. Um, and, you know, I think it also comes from the fact that we know that there's a couple of people within that team and that defence that are um, likely um, to make a mistake or do something which could, could cost Forest the game. So I think that's where that feeling comes from. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a bit of a theme in the last two home games, obviously the Borough game and the Barnsley game yesterday, and the fact that teams have obviously looked at Forest at the minute, looked at confidence, and they've just said, right, let's go at them from the off. Obviously, it was very clear, we, we talked about it at length last week, that Middlesbrough came out and it was all kind of one-way traffic from, from the off. Not not the case so much yesterday, but obviously Barnsley did come out as quite strong from the, from the start, and obviously the first five or ten minutes, um, whilst not causing Bree Samba too much trouble in terms of the work and the saves that he's had to make, they were definitely pressing high up the pitch. Um, and they were forcing that back four to make errors. Um, Figueredo got himself into trouble a couple of times. And obviously, um, we've talked to Levin, we're not going to go into it again, but but he was a concern within that spell because he, he was... He was making errors, and, and Chris Hewitt had to bellow some orders to him a couple of times um, that obviously wasn't pleasing. And yeah, you can just sense now that teams are not worried about coming to the city ground, and, and they'll they'll come at us and they'll cause us problems. I think after that first five ten minutes, obviously the first twenty minutes of that game was, as we said, the conditions didn't help. It was a bit of a war of attrition, but Forest did really well to kind of. I mean, they they created the real. First, uh, first clear cut chance of the game, um, where obviously we we sent Graben in uh, for a great chance for a one we uh, a one v one. He wasn't offside. It was a great it was a great move in the end. And obviously Barnes, as we just talked about, pressing high up the pitch. Their back four was playing a high line. Graben managed to get in behind through one on one, and I mean, it was really disappointing in in terms of the fact he skewed it wide and hit the side net and he's not even the keeper's not even had to make a save he's not worked the keeper um pretty much sums up lewis Graben this season doesn't it that we know he's not really he's not one for those one on one situations he's he's more of a uh you know he likes to be in the box he, he's more of a, an instinctive player uh and you feel more confident when when Graben hasn't got too much time to think about what he's going to do and he's just going to um, he's a poacher, if you like, in that sense. But yeah, he's got to do better there. It sums really Forrest, sums up I his think. season. I think it sums up Forest. I mean, it was a terrible, terrible finish. There's there's no way about it. Like um, it, he doesn't even get it on target. If he got it on target uh, and it went straight to the keeper, I would have been saying terrible finish. But he didn't even, you know, do that much. So it's almost the way he went about no. where you know he maybe thought, oh yeah, I was offside. Um, and he was quite blasé about the way he went about it. But as as a player as experienced as he is, and supposedly the captain of the team, you know, you always play unless that ref- the referee blows his whistle. Um, until that moment, I know obviously the flag comes up and, and it's blown 
after after the play's finished. But you know, until until you know for definite, you know, you've got to play you've got to play um as if as if he's on side and um it was an awful finish uh, from a player that, you know, scored twenty goals last season. Um yeah, yeah, there's there's nothing else to say about it. Paul no, I mean, I mean, the thing is, you're almost trying to make a case for his defence there in a way, Tom, in saying that he, you know maybe he'd thought he was offside, so he's gone through and he's been bored. But let's not forget when he when he turned the back four, he was he was a long, you know, it was a high line, it was quite high up in the Barnsley half. So even if he had have been given offside, he would have been flagged, and the and the referee's whistle would have gone a long time before he even got the shot away. So. I mean that. I think for me, he's just gone through, and it, poor technique. But just he, he strikes me as a player in terms of his body language as well. It just strikes me as a player that in front of goal, he's just lacking in in all sorts of confidence. And we know last season he, he didn't get too many chances. That was the whole thing about the way that Forrest played under Lamucci. We didn't get a lot of chances, but when they fell to Lewis Graben at point blank range you had every confidence that he was going to put them in. And his ratio, his conversion ratio last season was outstanding. And obviously that's why he got his 20 goals. This year, um, bar, the, bar the Sheffield Wednesday goal, which was obviously uh, clinical to say the least in more ways than one. Um, he's not really looked at the races, even from the very off. I think back to that QPR game away from home the first day of the season. And he missed two or three really good chances. Similar, there was there was the one towards the end actually at QPR, which was a little bit similar um, to the effort against Barnsley, and it's just not it's just not happening for him this season, is it? He just doesn't look like the same yeah, Lewis Graham really of old. I know people get annoyed annoyed when people question design commitment with Graham because I think he's just got that kind of he's just set up in that way personality wise, isn't he? But mm. he is one of those players, I think. Grab and where when things are going really and it like any player, I suppose, when when things are going really well any striker, certainly when they're when they're in a purple patch, anything they hit goes in. And and I think at the minute, yeah, you might when, when he's just in a bit of a rut. The club though, I think obviously he's loving life, probably loves it at the club. Uh, still comes across as if he, he hates it, but I think there's a bit more of a you know, a spring in his step. But when things are going badly and we've seen it at other clubs with him, um Maybe obviously it's a struggle mentally and you know desire wise for every player, like like anyone in life when things aren't going that well for you, it's maybe harder to to g yourself up a little bit. But I think with him it's just more noticeable. Maybe it's just because of the way he is. Um, but you just start thinking, you know, how much are you, how happy are you, and you know how much are you re- are you giving what you think is one hundred percent. I know people hate it when people say that about grabbing, but I think it's just more noticeable with him because of the way he is. Um, yeah, I mean, is it just is it just grabbing? I say we 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 talked about the, the team's um, commitment and desire, and I, and I think before you know a, a few months ago now, a few weeks ago. So I think with grabbing, I don't necessarily question his commitment or desire, but it's just yeah, again, it's it's the mindset, whether it's a rut or whether you want to call it, but. Obviously, the club and the team at the minute are obviously not enjoying the you know the spell that they were a few weeks ago. And there's been some tricky moments, even within that spell. It wasn't as if we were we were thumping teams within that within that um, across the festive period, if you like. Is it just grabbing though? As I say, that's why I think you made a good point there. It kind of sums up the team because we were chatting last night when we time after the game. 
we had a quick beer. And um, Amiobi as well is another one who, who, when things don't go quite right or the, the pass doesn't come off or the move doesn't come off, it's a, it's a shrug of the shoulders, a sigh. Um, there's a lot of that. Knockout obviously cuts a frustrated figure quite a bit of the time. Obviously, um, La Taylor, when he's come on the pitch, he's cut a frustrated figure. There seems to be a lot of players, particularly in that final third of the pitch, that, that are feeling the, the frustration a bit. And I think, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't just isolate it at Graben's. Uh, yeah, I turn, turn it on its head, though. You know, uh, if they were laughing and smiling all the time, you'd, you'd, be, you'd question that a little bit, wouldn't you? I mean, you'd question them about whether they, they gave, you know, a toss then. So... I think, uh, you know, that the frustration will come um, with these results. Um, knockout especially, I mean, to be fair, I can see he's trying and I, I can see how frustrated he is. Um, and I think they're all, you know, when you're in the position Forrester in, you know, some of the, what are, you know, some of the better players on paper in the league, apparently, um, you know, things just don't come off you when you're in a position and I think it's easy for players to get frustrated I think you know they've just got to keep their head up um, but it's easier said than done so yeah I think there's a lot of that throughout the team um, and it's expected really when they're in the position they're in um, but what we just hope is that on the, that's you know not a constant theme for our let's say the training sessions sessions throughout the week you know you'd hope that they've still got a good atmosphere in that dressing room well, well, Kravinic came out after the game last night and said the the atmosphere in the dressing room, the atmosphere of the team is pretty good. It's just they need a bit of a rub of the green. They need a couple of things to go for them. And then they feel like they could go on another run again. And I know that's a classic new signing interview out of the whole new signing book of uh, cliches. But people have been saying it all along. Chris Hewitt's come out and said it time and time again about the, the team spirit, the atmosphere in there. I just think, yeah, they they just they just cut frustrated figures, and and it's just not quite clicking for them. I think one of the one of the positives we talked about at the start was was Kravinovic himself yesterday. For me, he looked from the off, he he wanted the ball. He looked really neat and tidy. And then most of the things that we did in that first half that were positive came through him. Obviously, he was involved in the he, he combined really well with knockout to late in time. Amiobi's path, and obviously Amiobi had the shot that he just that he put. Just wide, um, and you know there was there was instances, and, and in the second half as well, where he, where he he tried to play in a couple of through balls, and you could just see that with time and with that kind of understanding building with the other forward players, he 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 for me looks like he could be a real asset, either in that ten role or playing in a in a flat midfield three behind the forwards. But yeah, he looked a real talent yesterday, and. Um, he, he kind of when he got on the ball, he, he, he did make things happen for us. So I don't think they were they were knocking the ball around freely. Don't get me wrong, and we wouldn't say it was a a vintage Forest performance first off. But let's be honest, they did create two or three really good openings, and and he was involved in in, in quite a bit of the yeah, positive I mean, build. Yeah, there's two things I like about him at the moment. Um, you know, I've not watched much of the the media stuff that's come out on the official official Twitter page because obviously you know, I'm very busy like everyone else can't back, you're a busy man out. Tom you're a busy man um, but I like is the way he comes across I think you know sometimes it is really under underrated how important uh, a good personality can be in a dressing room especially in times like 
like Forrester having. So I think he'll add he'll add something there and hopefully uh, cheer the group up a little bit. Um, but it sounds ridiculous what I'm about to say. But I like the fact he can pass the ball. He can actually pass the football. It yeah. helps as a footballer. Yeah, it it. But it's something, it does help. you know, Forrest haven't been doing the basics, you know, give the ball away too much. Or even um, if they do pass the ball to a Forest player, it's always the worst option. You know, you can see it. I mean, it's, sometimes it is easier when you're watching it as a fan, whether it be from the stand or, or via the telly. Um, but as a fan, you can see that pass, which is going to cut a team open, but the player on the ball doesn't, and they go for an easy, like a tough pass, maybe a tough pass than, than what it is, but the worst pass or an easy pass sideways or, or something like that. Yesterday, he clearly he's not been in that group long. He's not got to know these players very long at all and the way they think, but he already can see the best pass and see the runs. And I think grabbing actually. I think Graben, you know, we used to have, hate to bring up his name um, because I've, I've already given my opinion on this player and I don't rate him as much as everyone else does, but Graben used to love his link-up play with Jao Carvalho. And um, I think you saw some of that uh, again yesterday, not in the same manner, you know, not not in the same manner, but you definitely saw Kravinovic was on Graben's wavelength and vice versa. Yeah, definitely. There was a chance in the second half where he, he, he tried. It was a last-ditch uh, block by the Barnes' defender, but it was that type of ball that you were thinking of there, Tom, yeah, in terms of just trying to play grabbing in with that kind of through ball through the middle. And, and yeah, look, if they can build that wavelength up, you can see potentially those two building quite a good partnership in the centre of the pitch. Um, I mean, going back to that decision-making that you just talked about there, we... Um, I think I went in on him a bit last week on the pod and um, and slated him for, for being selfish. Um, Anthony Knockart, um, I mean, we did get the ball in the back of the net just before half-time. Um, and Knockart was put through, through on goal on the right-hand side. And instead of cutting back in on his left and taking the shot on for himself, he, he, he opts to play grabbing in at the, at the far post, who obviously puts the ball in the back of the net, but was a country mile offside. The one moment that you want Knockart to be greedy, he opts to pass it and play in a teammate. And I think, you know, that just sums up our problems in terms of poor decision-making in the final third. That pass was not on. Um, and nine times out of ten, I would have expected Knockart to take the shot on himself, and he should have taken the shot on himself, and at least work the keeper. Um, just inconsistencies, again, just, just in that final third, just to really labour the point. But, I mean, again, another good chance gone begging. That was the third in that half. Obviously, the grabbing was a clear chance. That one was a clear chance. And maybe the Amiobi one, uh, it was better than a half chance. But maybe that was one where, you know, you give Amiobi the, the benefit of the doubt. He's played it across the goal. But three really good chances in that first half. Without playing particularly well, Chris Hewton would have been really disappointed not to take one of those chances. And it was a little bit of history repeating itself, if you like, from... Oakwell earlier on in the season where to be fair Forrest, Forrest didn't dominate but they made quite a few good chances and then ended up getting beat 2-0 um, he would have been slightly he'd have been miffed at half time and, and probably slightly concerned um, that it wasn't going to be another one of those afternoons yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm still fuming I'm still fuming with Anthony Knockout I mean oh, I did an angry stroll to Sainsbury's today just thinking about it it's going to be Going to be chaos, oh. chaos on the team's calls tomorrow at work as a result of Anthony Knockout. Um, yeah, I mean, it's the one time, it's the one time um, where 
he's not. I mean, you summed it up perfectly, Chris. I'm just going to basically repeat what he said. It's one time he's not been selfish, um, and it's one time he should have been selfish. I don't know whether it's um, if it's as a result. I don't know whether you know Chris Uton or coaching staff have had a word with him and been like, "Look, I know you're trying to turn games, you know, on it on their heads and and do things in games and make it make the games tick for Forest, but." Um, you know, that was the one time where I thought in my head in that moment, oh, if he shoots here, goal. You know, and he opted for the pass. And, um, oh, I was I was feeling. I just, I just didn't understand. I can sense it in your voice, Tom. Yeah, you're not understand. happy. I just didn't not understand happy. The, the thinking of it, unless it's a confidence thing, something that's, you know, come up in training, come up as a result of his you know, ridiculous selfishness in the past few weeks of trying to do everything. Um, you know, we spoke about last week about when he, like, stayed on the ball, didn't want to, you know, refusing to pass it to anyone else. Obviously, that nearly cost us against against Borough. Um, this this week, I don't know what was going through his head, but he, he should have just had a shot. Um, yeah, I mean, if he shoots, I, I'm... I, I think it would have been 1-0 Forest, but, you know, he, he went for grabbing. And, yeah. Yeah, the offside. But it's, again, yeah. another one which sums up Forest. Another one. So, then, that was, I mean, I've put in true, the second half bypassed everyone. I mean, there's little to say about that second half to the point of me and the little fella, I mean, we had a, we, I, I, we had a little nap for five, ten minutes that second half. I'm not sleeping much, as you know, Tom, at the minute. Well, you're a newborn. I'm on about, I'm not, I'm on about the sun, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and we were sat there watching that second half. And we, we, we were starting to drift off. I, I'll say I had a five, ten minute nap in that second half. And to be honest with, with you, missed, missed very little. Uh, they just not, I mean, they did, Forest did really well in, in terms of they limited Barnsley. Um, to 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 very very little. They had obviously had a few long range efforts, but but didn't really concern Bree Samba too much. So, I mean, the one chance that we did really get away with it, if you like, was obviously Woodrow had a free header from six yards out and, and went straight at at Bree Samba. But I mean, Barnsley would would be very disappointed in terms of what they offered going forward. Vice versa, though, Tom. To be honest with you. We did nothing in the final third in that second half. We had obviously a real, quite a tame headed effort from from Amiobi, which was obviously headed into the ground and straight at the keeper. And then obviously Knockhart nearly scored a, a, a. It would have been a bizarre goal to be fair because Christie's done his absolute classic and and absolutely wanged a cross in a wild cross in that came down with snow on it. And obviously Knockhart's got something on it at the far post and, and it goes about three yards wide. Um, across the face of goal and out wide on the other side, but oh, that was it. That was pretty much it. Um, a disappointing second half, really. Yeah, I mean, we've just spoken as if Forest had loads of clear cut chances, and you know, the, the, the two chances they did in the first that we've spoken about, you know, were were important chances. But um, actually, when you look at the um, you know, the figures behind the game, Forrest only had one shot on target the whole game. Um, they only had six shots. And um, the one shot on target didn't come until very late on within the game. So, you know, that second half was really a nothing, nothing game. I think, you know, looking on Twitter and looking at the reaction, you know, people, uh, you know, can see that Forrest maybe had the best chances, but it still wasn't... 
a good performance, then they still didn't create that much. Um, all I was, you know, nervous was, you know, you've already touched on it, how, you know, the last game at Quell, we, we missed obvious chances and lost the game. All I was thinking in that last 10 minutes was, don't do not do a forest, you know? That's all I was thinking in my head because you could see it, even though Barnsley didn't do that much either. Um, you just had it, you know, because of the way Forest have been, that Forest would be Forest and concede in that last 10. Well, especially when Figueredo went off and Ember decided to come on for, for a, a tricky couple of minutes there in stoppage time. You could just see, and obviously there was a bit of danger there where he did quite well, obviously, to get the ball out. And obviously, Bong hit Bong and went out for, for a corner. But yeah, you, you can see that coming. I say, look, look we, we've, we've talked about the three golden chances that Forrest had. I mean, arguably the best chance of the game because it was actually on target was, was, was Woodrow's header. Um, from six yards out. I mean, I'd be disappointed that, that it was straight at Samba. And that kind of sums the game up for me. Um, I mean, nil-nil was a fair result. So they just, the, the second half, they just they just cancelled each other out. There was just nothing in it. It was, uh, you wondered whether Barnsley had tied because of the press that they were putting on. But that just didn't transpire. And, and Forrest just didn't have enough about them. Even the subs that came on didn't really do anything. It was just, it was just dull. I mean, let's be honest with you. That second half will not live in the memory of a, an absolute classic, will it? It was just an absolute turgid affair that second half. Uh, I think we're all glad when the final whistle went. We could uh, we could crack on and actually have a nice beer and have a chat, Tom, wouldn't we? But um, it wasn't good. And, and I think the point you just talked about there in terms of Forrest had one chance on goal and it fell late on. That's They've only had two shots on goal in the last two home games. And obviously the, the the Middlesbrough home game, that was the goal that came in injury in the 92nd minute. So in reality, I mean, that'll be the thing that that's, that will worry Chris Hewton more than most in the fact that actually from a positive point of view, let's not forget that's a team, and, and albeit with quite a few changes at Swansea, but that's a team that's been hit for seven in the last two games. So actually to keep a clean sheet, and albeit there was a couple of nightmare moments in the first half, and as I say, um, just not going to go into the Figueredo Christie thing again, but didn't think those two particularly had a strong afternoon again. Um, but to keep a clean sheet was actually the, they needed that yesterday, I think, after those last two games. So that's a big tick. As we've talked about, Grinovic coming in, making his debut, playing so well, lasting, lasting, lasting the match, lasting the course of the game. He's done really well. But from a negative point of view, um, it's just that they've offered nothing second half. And you really want Forrest in the position that we're in at home. Don't get me wrong, Barnes are a good side. Obviously, the league table would suggest that they are a very solid side and we know how tough they are. But two shots on goal in two home games, um, it's, it's not good enough, is it? And it's hard to pin down. We talked about the, the attackers as a unit and as a confidence and as individuals. It's really hard to pin that down. Um, and obviously, a, a draw... Yes, it was a, it's a point on the ball, it's a clean sheet, but it does leave us looking nervously over our shoulders. Obviously, Rotherham picked up a good week, uh, win in the week. Derby have now won back-to-back matches and obviously leapfrogged us. Um, it, it, you know, it's, it's, it's nervous down there and it's tight. And if Forrest are going to get out of trouble, and, and I think we all, I think we still expect them to. You know, we were joking last night, weren't we, with, with the lads that we were basically looking at which, which games and which grounds we could go to in League One next year. But I think... All jokes aside, and without the gallo humour, I think we all expect, well, I think we still believe, I mean, expect strong, but we still believe we've got enough and we should be okay. But they've got to start getting better in that attacking third, otherwise it's going to get really tight down there. Yeah, look, I think uh, 
Hewson probably approach wise, you know, probably his thinking was it would be disaster if we conceded goals again in this game after conceding the the goals that we did last week, like you said. But yeah, I mean, I'm intrigued to know what what Forest attacking wise look on the training ground. Are things are things clicking on the training ground? Is it just the setup and the approach play? You know, what are they working on? Because obviously, it's still not. It's still not a team that looks much of a threat, and that's why I think teams come into games really confident against Forest. But you know, look, all we can hope for is is that in what is now coming up to be a hugely pivotal time for Forest, that those attack players can can click. But look, we've been saying that for weeks, and it's it's still not really happening. But we've just got to keep fingers crossed that as we come into into the business end of the season, the second half of the season, that. Uh, that something does finally click for Forest. We talk about the business end of the season, Tom, and obviously it doesn't come more business end than the end of the transfer window. And, and I think we've been saying, haven't we, for the last few weeks now that we didn't really, we didn't really expect Forest to bring in any more than than two potentially free signings this uh, transfer window. Obviously, after the fourteen that joined in the summer, um, that may still turn out to be the case, but. Obviously, Kravinovic has joined. James Garner signed, obviously, late on Saturday night. And it looks like, and I think Glenn Murray might have said it himself on uh, on the radio or on Sky tonight, that um, he's pretty much a done deal as well. So, Glenn Murray looks like he's going to be signing on a six-month permanent contract until the end of the season. Um, so, three already in. Um, and the rumours are that we're, we're still after a couple more. We could be in for a busy transfer deadline day today, uh, tomorrow, Tom. Um, we've even been linked with a goalkeeper, which just seems... I mean, this is just classic, classic Forest, isn't it? A little bit of scattergr- scattergun on the last day of the transfer window. It's going to be... It, it could be busy. Yeah. God, I don't want it to be. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, they've already signed um, Kravinovic and James Garner, like I said. Murray, who um, comes into the Forest retirement home. Um, you know, it was an option. Steady. Steady. <laughs> um, you know, he adds. You know, you feel actually look at it on paper. Let's say before the season started, let's say Forrest already had uh, Graben, La Taylor, and and Glenn Murray. Even at thirty seven, um, you'd think that that's three really good, solid, solid options that Forrest have up front. Um, so it'll be interesting. I mean, look, it's a short term deal, which I'm glad about. I think as, as a short term deal. You know, it's not a bad one, not a bad one at all for for a short term deal. Um, you know, and like you said, I mean, there's always rumours. You know, over the last week, we've been linked with uh, Kevin McDonald, a player that we've been linked with. I think About probably four every, years. every transfer window since Ita Karanka came in. Um, you know, we've been linked with goalkeeper, like you said, in. In Joe Lumley from from QPR, um, which is a bizarre link for me. Um, but hey, I don't know what the thinking is there. But um, you know, it's, I didn't expect Forest to be linked with this many players. I'm not going to lie. Um, but it is textbook Forest, as you say. Well, yeah, as I say, there's there's one thing being linked with players, as we know. We we we, um, we do spend as Forest fans a lot of time talking about transfers and um, we used to, we used to enjoy the transfer deadline day, the transfer window. And um, obviously I think we've all just become a bit tiresome of it now. And, and the, and the sheer merry-go-round, you, you can't really invest yourself too much in, in this team or this squad because it changes every, um, 
every three, four, five months. So um, it's hard to to invest yourself in it. But yeah, it does look like again tomorrow. You know, if the rumours are to be believed, a, a potentially a goalkeeper coming in, been linked with a winger as well. It wouldn't surprise you if another midfielder came in, and there's even some suggestion that Forest might go for another striker. So who knows what will happen come eleven o'clock? I think it's eleven o'clock tomorrow night, isn't it? It's not five. Um, but whenever the, the end of the, the, the window is, it'll be interesting to see what we what we've left with. Um, so let's just go back to Gar- let's just go back to Garner and Murray quickly before we speculate about, about the rest. As I say, I think Murray for me, I don't think it's I think it's a no brainer on a six month contract. Yes, he's thirty seven years old. I was actually I was actually chatting to a mate of mine. Um, on WhatsApp earlier, he was a bright and season tick holder, and he was saying he'd still love Glenn Murray off the bench now. He still thinks he could offer a job. He's obviously not renowned for his, he's never been renowned for his pace. Um, you know, he's a goal scorer. He, he, he's a bit of a, he, you know, he's a target man. He offers something different to, to Graben and Lyle Taylor. And I think off the bench or, you know, using him sporadically as starting games, I think he'll, he'll do well and he'll, he'll, he's got the potential to do well and he's definitely another option. The one thing about, Glenn Murray is with me is though if you can't get the ball into the right area what's the point in having a striker like Glenn Murray now maybe Chris Uta's looking at it going well in the way that Christie and Ribeiro knock it in it always normally goes over everyone's head so get a big target man and it might be able to reach him but I just worry about the service that you know don't think Gravin and Taylor have done themselves any favours at times this season but but they've not been helped by the service that they're getting from their players around them I can't see that if Glenn Murray is the only attacking player that we sign tomorrow um, and yes you know we've talked about how good Kravinovic was but we need balls we need quality balls in from wide areas from the fullbacks and the wingers if if Glenn Murray is the only attacking player that signs tomorrow I'm, I'm just not sure what impact he will have yeah I mean I think um I can totally get what you're saying there, Chris. I think, uh, and also, I think it's an interesting one. You know, we just spoke about how we thought Kravinovich, you know, and his link up play with, with Graben was good. But you, I don't think, you know, let's say Glenn Murray started, I don't think you'd see similar similar um, bits of play like that because you, I just can't see Kravinovich seeing a darting Glenn Murray going towards goals. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So it's an interesting one, how he'll, how he'll fit in or how Forrest may adapt to him. Um, but I think what he also might bring is another one that might just bring good presence in the dressing room, you know, a bit like Kravinovic. So it's, it's an interesting one. Like you say, short term, I think, why not take the pump? You know, six yeah. Um Just to... Just to Add a bit of uh, a bit of desire, a bit more desire in that dressing room as well. A good personality, um, someone that offers a different option to what Forest have up front um, in games when they're potentially, you know, grinding out a game or ticking down the clock. You know, someone sticks in a cross, he can get a header on it in. You know, Forest don't really have that option, so it's a good six month option. And look, Tom, um, let's let's not let's not forget with Glenn Murray, we were linked with him last January. Um, and we were linked, and, and us and Leeds at the time were linked with a move for Glenn Murray last January. It didn't quite come off, but at the time that was a that felt like a really sensible move last January. And I know it's another year on, and obviously thirty six to thirty seven. It's you know he is getting on, and he's obviously in the final knockings of his career. But yeah, I think the experience that you just talk about in the dressing room, as you're saying, just that galvanised. Look, it's a short term 
fix. But we, it, we've got a short-term problem at the minute. Um, we've got to get ourselves out of trouble. and We've got to pull away from the, the relegation zone. But who knows? Look, you've seen players in the Championship play at the 37-38. If Glenn Murray was to come in and, and get five, six, seven goals and, and help the team climb the table and climb out of trouble... Who knows? He might even earn himself a twelve-month deal and then f- finish on that. And someone like we had Delhi Adabola, someone who can just you can bring off the bench just to hold things up, disrupt things. We don't have that up front. We don't have someone who you can throw on and really disrupt it. I mean, Graben and Taylor, you know, they're very very you know similar attributes, but obviously then got different attributes that you know that, that are unique within themselves. But you don't have someone like Glenn Murray who can be a physical presence up there and put himself about a bit. So. It'd be interesting to see how that one comes off. James Garner is obviously another interesting one in terms of he was playing regularly for Watford um, before they changed their manager. Ball playing centre midfield. Um, mixed bag from the Watford fans in terms of um, reviews and what to expect from him. But obviously, um, another player that Chris Hewton likes, a player that Man United obviously um, hold in, in, in high regard. So it'll be interesting to see and I think that's the type of player that Chris Hewton wants in the centre of the park. Somebody who can get up and down, somebody who can get his foot on the ball and play it. So it'll be interesting to see how he how he turns out in terms of a signing. But um, obviously one there, minimal risk, um, young lad on loan. Obviously Man United will be expecting him to play games, which is why his Watford loan spell was terminated. But that one feels like a bit of a, another kind of low risk sign in the centre of the park. Yeah. And it's one which, you know, um, look, he's not a player I would have thought would be what Forrest need as such, but I'm also not going to be one of those to to write him off already. Um, And I've always said that I don't feel like Forrest utilise the loan market in the proper way, like like we used to, and, you know, getting some of those gems from, from Premier League teams. Has he had the most successful start to his championship season? No. But I also think Watford are kind of a, a weird team and a, and a weird club at the moment and kind of have the wrong jigsaw pieces trying to slot into uh, into a puzzle, you know. So I'm not going to judge him too much from it, from that. Um, but it'll be interesting. You know, we said that we certainly wanted uh, more options in central midfield purely and simply because um, a lot of the options that we have are not available or just aren't very good. So... Um, you know, he, he he comes in. He adds to that. I mean, it does mean that we've got six six lone players. So it means that that Chris Hewton now has to have a think about which five he, he can include in his in his match day squad now. Um, so that's a bit more food for thought for him. But um, yeah, look, we wanted options in midfield. We've got more options in midfield. Um, and fingers crossed, he can actually get. The ball moving quicker for Forrest when it gets to those areas. Yeah, and obviously blows that myth that that Hewton uh, doesn't go for, doesn't trust young players as well. Because obviously we were linked with Dan Goslin early in the the week, who obviously turned us down in the end. Who's obviously thirty one. Everyone was up in arms. It was another over thirty in midfield, and then we've gone for a young lad on loan from Man United who says had a bit of a hit and miss start for Watford, and fans still aren't happy. So Chris Hewton can't win. Whichever way he goes, Chris Hewton can't win. Um, there's always going to be someone that. That moans about that, but yeah, yeah I don't, we, can't, we know we can't win, Chris. Uh, but we know it wouldn't surprise me, as we said a minute ago, that it wouldn't surprise me if another centre midfielder came in. We're expecting players to go, aren't we? Look, 
we know that you know it, it was talked about in the week it was dismissed but it's been brought up again today that that Forrest had a move for Samba Sao lined up and obviously he's picked up a slight knock yesterday in the game so we're not sure surprise he's injured um but let's see what comes of that obviously there's been links that that Harry Arter might leave the club again another super signing we, we let's be fair we had high hopes for on this podcast um but just really hasn't lived up to the the expectation levels that probably we'd, we'd set and obviously others had set for him. He's been linked, potentially of a move to Bristol City. And someone like Basharu as well, who Chris Hewton had talked about, moving him out on loan to get him some game time. Um, obviously played last week against Swansea because of the midfield crisis and came off the bench yesterday. For me, actually looked all right yesterday, but it wouldn't surprise me if he was another one who was potentially to go and then outside of those midfield positions, Guerrero was obviously missing from the squad. Uh, yesterday, Glenn Murray coming in, bumps him down the pecking order further. He was obviously linked with a move out of the club earlier on in the window as well. Um, and then who knows, maybe mystery man Diallo, the goalkeeper, if we're being linked with another one. I mean, he's never going to play, is he? So we're never going to see him. So, look, it's going to be a busy day, you would think. Incomings, outgoings, we've, we've probably bigged this up too much and no one will leave and we'll get one player in. But on the eve of it, bearing in mind, this is a really important window. They always are at the minute. They always seem to be January for Forest. We always seem to get to this period and have left ourselves short or we've got problems in all areas. January windows are, are a hard one. You might want to pick up one or two just to fill the squad or cover for an injury. Forest seem to come to the January windows needing real cosmetic surgery in various parts of the pitch. Um, if you're Chris Hewton tonight, given what we talked about in terms of the problems in the Barnsley game and the problems that subsequently we've seen prior to that, what area do you focus on more than more than ever? Because I, I guarantee you, I'd imagine 100% of fans or 99.9% of fans would not have Joe Lumley from QPR, a goalkeeper, high on the priority list tomorrow. What are you, what are you, who are you signing? Well, not necessarily who, but what position are you focusing on tomorrow? For me, I think um, we'd say, considering we've got knockout, Lolly, Amio would be Martin, but I'd be crying out for a winger. Yeah, but personally, I think, you know, Forrest could really do with a winger um, to hit a purple patch or one full of confidence. Right a decent Easy bloody crosser, do Tom, let alone a purple patch. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, easier said than done because they cost, you know, they cost money, you know, obviously we've been linked with Dembele um, and obviously constantly, again, being linked with Grisicki, um, probably a player will also sign when he's 37. Um, but, you know, that that is the area of the pitch I'd be looking at and I'm surprised I'm not hearing more um, about a winger because um, I think that's where Forrest could do with some help. Um, I think, you know, if you can get the wide players, the wide players have always been important to Forrest. And, and if you can get that right, I think, you know, that could be a real big difference to Forrest in terms of winning, drawing, losing a game. You know, they can. Ch- you need a winger that can chip in with the goals, but also do the basics. And uh, if you're signing a player like Glenn Murray and you've got the striking options and grabbing a Lyle Taylor, it would help to have someone who can give him the service as well. So, um, and also take the pressure off in front of goals. So, I think that's where Forrest needs need the most help. Right, they need now. some pace um, in the squad. I tell you that that is yeah. the one thing. You know, as you said, we need someone who can put the ball in, cause cause problems, get get the team moving forward. Um, we just we just 
we're just so pedestrian across the pitch, you know. Um, there's just no one really. I mean, Mighton is obviously a young lad who's shown it in in stages, and he is obviously an exceptional talent, and I'm sure will 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 come on leaps and bounds and be dangerous for us in in in, um, in the seasons and the years to come. But we, I feel like we just need someone in there right now who has the ability to take the ball and turn and really put pressure on on, a, on an opposition defence and get them, as we said a couple of times over the last few weeks, get them driving back and facing towards their own goal a little bit and causing people problems. We don't we don't have that. We're, we're far too happy to play with, you know, we give time for the opposition to set up in front of us um, and we don't turn the opposition quick enough. And I mean, that's really what we, we, we need. I don't think we're going to get it, to be honest. We, we haven't been linked with, Unless they pull an absolute rabbit out of the hat in the next, um, you know, next well twenty four hours, but I just can't see it. But but that's been an area that we've talked about for a long time in terms of Forest just really lack pace. They were quite a slow team to be honest, um, and 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 that's you know pace pace gets you goals, it wins your matches. Um, if it's something that we don't fix now, it's something that he's going to have to look at and try and fix in the summer because. Um, good teams need that as a quality, and um, yeah, that's something. That and the centre of the park. I, I've all we always worry about the centre of the park with Forest. I feel like the centre midfield at Forest hasn't been right for for quite some time now. And as I say, we had high hopes for signing Arthur in the summer. We all thought that was the man alongside your Colbacks, etc. That Colback could sit in, and Harry Arthur might get up and down a bit as a ball playing centre midfielder. It's, it's just not worked for him for whatever reason, injuries. Um, etc. He's not been able to get a, a run of games. Um, we just haven't got that type of. We haven't got those type of players in the centre midfield that can dominate a, a game that we've seen time and time again from from the opposition that we've played in recent weeks. So I'd be keen to to probably see a centre midfielder come in and and if we can get a pay, get get pace on the wings. But you know that two more in itself on top of the three we bought takes up to five and it, it, it just feels madness again, doesn't it? That we're talking about four, potentially four or five signings in the January window on top of the 14 that we made. I mean, this is a problem. We, we don't need to harp on because every, everyone who supports Forest and everyone in the wider football community knows what the problem is at Forest, that there's just no absolute, there's no sense whatsoever. There's no planning. There's no forward strategy at this football club. It's very much here and now. And if it doesn't work, we'll just rip it apart and start again. Um, that that has to change, but I suppose as we said, Tom, it's all about the short term, isn't it? It's about the here and now. And Hewton won't care. Hewton won't care how many players came in, in the summer. He'll want his players here and now, so he can keep Forest in the Championship. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Hewton's already come out and said that. You know, there's people like myself who are saying, "Can we start looking long term at recruitment?" But right now, Chris Hewton needs answers, and he needs answers straight away. You, you know, I mean, forest recruitment, we've we've banged on about it. You know, they might be going after Joanna Lumley, but there's nothing ab- absolutely fabulous about their recruitment. Not a shocking that, Tom. But, well, I liked it. But, um, you know, but but I think at, at this moment in time, we need we need answers there and ready. Um, and that, that's clearly what Newton's going for. But there needs to be, as we've said, as we've harped on about all season, they need a long look at themselves at, at the recruitment, um, and that that will probably only happen though in in the summer. But it just sums um, it up, Tom, so... isn't it? Look, let's 
players are going to leave the club tomorrow. Let's presume, and I say this is a massive presumption, but let's presume that that that, that Arta, Bashiru, Guerrero, and let's say Diallo gets released tomorrow, right, on top of Ian already going out. That's four or five players that you signed in the summer have already exited the football club the following transfer window. That that that's got to stop. Uh, Guerrero, I'm just reading that as you were as you were harping on then has, has been heavily linked with um Espanol. So it looks like he could be going to Spain. But um yeah, look, it's, it, we could cover it another time because I feel like we could do at least multiple episodes on it again. It's such a, a, an in-depth topic. But I suppose let's just see where we land tomorrow um and see what squad we've got to take us forward because yeah look it's just about staying in it. it's about staying in the championship this season and that's um that's the most important thing and uh, look on that should we talk about it feels like a huge week ahead um let's just do a quick rundown of the of the two games coming up in the next 7 days um i say huge huge games yeah 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 i mean um like you said there it's huge Huge, huge week for Forest, and um, you know it's two teams in the next week who are around them. Um, and on paper, it should be two winnable games, but they have to be won. And I think if Forest lose both of them, um, it would be an absolute disaster. But winning both would would help, and and, and it would give Forest a bit of not breathing space, I suppose. But it would certainly um, do. It would be a, a Big work on on trying to stay up in 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 the championship. So, yeah, first of all, obviously it's Coventry on Tuesday night. That's oh, a nightmare. Seven o'clock. I can't stand those yeah. seven o'clock kickoffs. Yeah, seven p.m. Seven p.m. I don't like them either. It's weird. Um, seven forty-fives or eight. Well, I could have my tea then. I could have my tea then. Get myself ready for match. Getting the little ones asleep and in bed for a seven o'clock kickoff. It's going to be a nightmare. There's going to be tears. There's going to be tears. It'll probably be me. So. <laughs> exactly so Coventry uh, and it's at St Andrews so uh, kind of Coventry's uh, home these days um, they've taken four important points out of six in the last two they've played Wednesday in Birmingham so they they are on a run of games which are massively important to them and to be fair they've got four points out, out of the two of them so far they'll be looking to add add to that when they come up against Forest in midweek Um so, the record at home, if you can call it home, is far better than their away record. Um, we saw their threat at City Ground earlier in the season, um, a game which Forrest went away with three points, but seemingly in relieved fashion with that uh, last-minute penalty, um, if you remember. But they do have a young and hungry team. Um, the likes of O'Hare and Gustavo Hamer will be their biggest threats probably and they usually play in a bit of a 3-4-2-1 so space for Forest to cause have it again we've just spoke about the importance of, of the wide areas and you know how, how we'd improve it they need their current wide players to turn up on Tuesday night um, because that is where that is probably where Forest can cause the most the most havoc in those wide areas um, Coventry did pick up a bit of form between November and December after probably quite a terrible start, winning two of the first 12 games. But they seem to have dipped slightly since, very slightly. Um, but, you know, I say they've dipped in form. Um, they've not lost in, in eight home games. Um, so it's not the worst dip in form. Um, it's a way where they find it difficult. So, you know, like I said, it will be a tough game at St. Andrews. Um, 
they haven't conceded in their last four oh, good, games either. Good, good. So, you know, a, a team in Forest which uh, are struggling to hit the back of the net, even just get a goal on target, um, you know, they're going to be playing a team which are currently um, in, in decent form defensively. Um, but they do have, um, you know, they have conceded a lot of goals throughout the season. It's only recently where they've picked up um, some clean sheets at home. Um, but it's the last 10 minutes of games which have caused Coventry the, the most problems throughout the season um, probably something to do with that young young team and the inexperience of that team um, maybe not taking them out um, completing games within that last last final phase of the game so it's a tough one for Forrest you know, they, they're playing someone who is around them, it's important it's important for Forrest I think to to go into those games early on and, and hit Coventry um, as early on as they possibly can. Um, but they need to stay in the game and, and know that that final 10 minutes could be could be where they could get their rewards if they stay in it. Obviously, we saw that in the home game. So, a, a real tough one. Um, what's your, what's your thoughts on it, Chris? They impressed me a lot, Coventry, in... Um... In the game earlier in the season, and it was it was more about the way they approached the second half after being obviously one nil down against us, and, and up, they took us to the cleaners really in that second half. And obviously we got we got they got a goal back, and I think it was O'Hare who got the goal. And they probably they had another they had a good few number of chances in that second half to, to win the match. And obviously before we we went and won it deep into um, time added on. Um, it, as I said, their record at the minute at home, their defensive record at home doesn't really fill you with much confidence given the fact we struggle to score goals or even get shots on target. Um, I'm, I'm going to draw. I, I'm going to go a nil-nil. I think it's going to be another difficult watch on um, Tuesday night. But I think, yeah, Forrest will, will come away with a, a kind of a hard-fought point to say. I don't think we'll, we'll be going there free-flowing and looking to create too many chances. And if Forrest can stay resolute at the back... Um, and make it difficult, make it difficult for commentary to break us down. Then um, hopefully they'll have enough to come away. But yeah, I think a point nil nil. I'm gonna go one nil Forest. And you call me Mister Negative. Well, uh, yeah, I'm gonna go one nil Forest in this one. I think um, I think you know Forest. I think they can nick it again. I think I think I think Coventry will potentially be the better team overall. But um, I think Forest do have a chance to nick it, and I think they might just nick it. Fingers crossed. Um, but after after that, the um, they play another team around them, so another huge game. Um, Wickham on Saturday, three pm, a bit more of a normal time. This one, uh, rock and roll team they're known as. Um, there was no Gareth Ainsworth in the dugout due to him having surgery in the game at City Ground early in the season when Forest ran out two 0 winners, but he will be in the dugout at Adams Park. Um, on Saturday. Now, Wickham have found life pretty difficult in the Championship so far. They've won three games all season versus Cardiff, Birmingham and Wednesday. Um, so, all teams down there. Um, two of those are home now. Um, they've kept 25% clean sheets at home, zero away, um, and have failed to score in almost half of their home games this season. Um, they are on a run of five, five games where they've conceded one or more but also a run of scoring one or more in the last four. So, you know, they're suspects to, to concede in, but they, they're also nicking goals and finding a bit of form in front of goal as well. Um, most use formation 4-3-3, three, three, but also 4-1-3-2 three, 
um, which is what they used in their last outing over the weekend when they got thumped 7-2 away at Brentford. So they'll probably be a bit a team lacking a bit of confidence, um, but could also be a team wanting to, um, you know, make themselves, uh, you know, make up for that thumping, thumping defeat over the weekend. It's another big one. It is another big one. And it's, a like I said at the start, it's, you know, if Forrest lose these games, you know, they will be, they will certainly uh, be looking mm. over their shoulder behind them. Um, but I do think Forrest will, will win this one. Um, and I'm going to go... Um, yeah, this one's an interesting Forrest. one. Again, we, we played obviously Coventry and Wickham in a, in the similar sequence, well, the same sequence, didn't we? Um, earlier on the season and, and Wickham was a game I think when we talked about it, we talked about the Coventry home game being tricky but the Wickham one was one where we thought we would uh, come away from that one and, and win quite comfortably in the end it wasn't that comfortable I mean, we did win it um, and we won it by a couple of goals but it wasn't a comfortable afternoon and, and obviously Akin Fenwell coming off the bench that afternoon really caused Forest trouble from the back that really alters the way that Wickham play and obviously get the ball forward a lot quicker Um they, it'd be interesting to see how they react. I mean, they got thumped yesterday at um, at Brentford. Obviously, Brentford are no mugs, um, but that was that was a real real thumping. Um, it'd be interesting to see how they react. Obviously, they've got Birmingham at home midweek, which is a game that they will probably fancy, uh, and they'll fancy coming up against Birmingham. Birmingham and Forest as the next two home games off the back of being thumped. They will probably look at both of those games and go, "Here's a chance to right those wrongs, if you like." and um, and get points on the board and, and and try to close that gap because obviously at the bottom of that table they are cut adrift uh, a touch and as we thought Wickham you know we, we thought Wickham would struggle this year and obviously that's proved to be the case but with two games coming up they will also see this as as make or breaks try and close that gap so look it won't be easy um, I also think Forest will probably have too much in this one um, I am, I'm going to go one nil Forest for this one and again I don't think we're going to be uh, going down there and, and it'll be a free scoring affair. But I think we, we might just have enough just to get a 1-0 a, a win down at Wickham. And, and and if we could take four points from the two games, I'll be absolutely delighted. Six points, like you say, Tom, brilliant. That'll be um, that'll be a, a, a top week. And actually, then if you if you came away, you take the point that you've taken against Barnsley. If you walked away with seven points from this week, grand. But yeah, I think four points would be a good return for, for Chris Hewton and Forrest. And um set them up for what is then quite a tricky run of games after that. Um, or there's kind of a, it's, it's a bit intermittent in terms of um, lower teams lower down the table and teams towards the top end. Um, but yeah, that's, I'm going to go 1-0, one 1-0 one Forest. All right. I think that's it for us. We can go back to trawling Twitter now and looking at the transfer room as ahead of, uh, ahead of tomorrow evening. But if you want to get in contact with us, uh, as usual, the email address is time added on pod at outlook.com. Or if you want to give us a follow on Twitter or give us some stick on Twitter, follow us on at Time Added On Pod. See you next week, guys. You read.